Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowden? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome to BGN Radio. This is episode number 39. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we have more clarity on Nick Foles. Uh, Doug Peterson uh, made some news at the at the Combine, uh, and uh, we'll talk about what he had to say, what it means for the Eagles here uh, in 2019. We'll get into some free agency trade stuff. What are the Eagles going to do at wide receiver? The Combine is going on. Uh, we'll touch on that a little bit. And the Dallas Cowboys have hired a broadcaster to play for them next year. We'll get into all that. It makes it's just as ridiculous as it sounds, even though I'm kind of, you know, shading the truth here a little bit. Joining me to talk about all of that is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how you doing, my friend? John, the biggest sports news in Philadelphia this week. Nate Sudfeld looking like he's going to be the number two quarterback in 2019 Big news. for the Eagles. The Big biggest news. It's what everybody's talking about. No, everybody's talking about Sudfeld's ascension. It's really taking the city by storm. So, <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's funny. You know, obviously uh, people are talking about Bryce Harper and the Phillies. And I, I recorded a podcast last night for The Good Fight, uh, uh, episode 263 of Hitting Season, where we celebrated. And so, yeah, if, if you're if you're still on the Bryce Harper high and you, and you don't subscribe to Hitting Season and The Good Fight podcast feed, go check that out. But this will be, for me, as a, a guy who's been covering the Harper thing, this is this is a great diversion. And this is, this is uh, you know, something that, you know, talking about the Combine, talking about what's going on with Nick Foles here. This is, you know, we had some stuff happen this week that's important to get to. And, you know, we have more clarity, as I mentioned a minute ago, on Nick Foles here, BLG, because we had been talking about will the Eagles franchise him? Will the Eagles decide just to let him walk in free agency? And GM Howie Roseman announced down at the Combines that the Eagles will not put the franchise tag on Nick Foles. That makes Foles a free agent. His, his Philadelphia Eagle career is done. Brandon, as we as we've talked about over the last few weeks, I think you and I both expected this. The franchise tag was the least likely of the two options uh, simply because of the risk the team would have run. And now he's free to sign with anybody. We've got multiple reports indicating it seems like most people think the Jaguars are the destination for him uh, for for many of the reasons we've discussed in recent podcasts, uh, but also reports that the Giants might be interested as well. What are your thoughts on the Eagles deciding to let Nick Foles walk into the future? Yeah, I mean, shouldn't be surprising at all. This is clearly the most likely outcome. I said that all along. I think there was like a, 
I think I put it at like 18% chance that he would get tagged. It was just not the likely option. It's a very specific number, BLG. Specific. Yeah, I just want to... <laughs> um, it's just, you know, there there wasn't a market for him. There really wasn't. And from what we kind of heard from NFL insiders this week, like Ian Rappaport or Mike Garofalo, uh, was that the Denver Broncos were really the only other team interested in him, it sounded like. And then they obviously traded for Joe Flacco. There was no market at that point. The Jaguars were the only team really that seemed to be interested in him and trading for him. And they still might be really the only team interested in him at all. I mean, that rumor about the Giants is out there, but we'll see. Uh, the Giants also verbally committing, seemingly, to Eli Manning in their press conference. So I don't know, you know what that's all yeah. about there. But for Nick Foles, I just I really think Jacksonville is the team. One thing that, of course, I have to bring up, of course, because it's me, is that <laughs> you know for the second offseason in a row, you know, Nick Foles was available, and he's still going to be available in free agency, and, and we'll see what his market really is like when free agency begins. But, you know, to the point where no one really wanted to trade for him for really the second offseason in a row, because there was that report right. that the Browns offered a second-round pick last year. Joe Banner has really denied that. He said that wasn't even true, so take it for what it's worth. But yeah, uh, I, I just think the, the larger point is that, like, for all these people who think Nick Foles is, like, this amazing player... And I'm not trying to hate on him here. I'm really not. I'm just saying for the people who think he's like like his biggest fans, his people who just think he's like actually an amazing quarterback. You know, why aren't teams moving heaven and earth to get him? You know, that's my question yeah. to you. Like, why why yeah. have we never seen the NFL like value him as highly as people think of him? Like, I, that's just my question. Like, I, I just wonder like how people kind of reconcile that. Like, he's actually this really amazing quarterback that everyone would be lucky to have. It sounds like some people think, but then there's the NFL has just not reflected that at all. So I, it's, I just think that's kind of um, something that I think about when you think that, you know, there's just for the second off season in a row and really count back to before the Eagles signed him, the Chiefs cut him in 2017. You know, teams weren't exactly like knocking down his door that year. And the Eagles got him at a reasonable contract when they re-signed him. It wasn't like, you know, he went somewhere and got a starting job. So I just think that's something to think about and put that in context when you're thinking about the value of Nick Foles. And I think he's going to land in Jacksonville. Once again, I just think that, you know, you look at the landscape and they seem to make the most sense for him. And he's probably their best option, really. I just think he's going to be end up down there and we'll see how that goes. I'm sure he'll get a decent contract. Spot Rack projects his value to be $19 million per year. I don't know if we'll get quite that. Might be a little bit lower. But yeah, so, you know, he's going to be a free agent. And it's just what we saw all along. I don't think he comes back to the Eagles, even if he doesn't really have a market. I just can't see that happening. Mm -hmm. Kind of talked about this last week, I think. I just don't see that situation working with the locker room and everything that happened there last year. I just I don't see it. That said, crazier things have happened. So I'm expecting him to be a member of the Jaguars, but we'll see. Yeah, and we talked about the reasons why Nick Foles isn't being highly sought after. He has never played a full season. And I don't want to spend time bagging on Nick Foles because, I mean, we should be taking this time also to remember the great things he did for this franchise. I mean, won him a Super Bowl. When he played, he was outstanding it, it, much of the time. There were there were games where he wasn't outstanding over the last two years as well, and, and that's important too. He did, he did not have a great playoffs. He had a great final drive against the Bears in the wildcard game, but he did not have a great playoffs. And but but that all that aside, I mean, yeah, if this was Steve Young at 30 years old, teams would be lining up no matter where they were in their in their winning process. But 
yeah, there's something about Foles that teams are just still hesitant about. They're they're not sure, but, and that's because he's only done it for short spurts over the course of his career. He was very good at the start of his Eagles career, and then there were a number of years where he floated around the league and wasn't very good, and then all of a sudden he came back to Philadelphia and was good at the end of 17 and at parts of last year as well. So, like we said, Foles is a guy that, for a team like Jacksonville, makes total sense. That's a that's a defense that's ready to win championships right now. The offense has been the problem. Blake Bortles has been what's been holding that team back. And with Nick Foles, that seems like the perfect guy to have in there. Because you can still draft a young quarterback, especially here in this draft where quarterbacks are not this is not a great quarterback draft. Maybe you get somebody in the second round and, and see if you can't groom him behind Nick Foles or something like that if you're Jacksonville. But if, you're a de- if you've got a defense that's ready to win now and some other offensive pieces that are pretty good, then Foles makes a lot of sense for, for the next two or three years. And that's the thing. You know, Foles probably only has two or three really good years left. You're not building a team around that. If you're a young team with a young roster and you're trying to start from the bottom and work your way up, you want to develop somebody. Now, maybe there's a team out there, BLG, that wants to sign Nick Foles to a a two-year deal or a three-year deal, and if the market isn't as robust as we think it is, Foles may have to take a two-year deal someplace, or at least a a deal where he's guaranteed two years. A team also drafts a quarterback and has them sit behind Nick Foles. There are a few quarterbacks in this league, I think, that would benefit you know, there, there are a few quarterbacks that would that you would rather have uh, being a mentor to your young quarterback than Nick Foles. I mean, just given his his personality and his leadership ability and, and some of the skills that he brings to the table, I think that makes a lot of sense in the world. So if if the price is too high for Jacksonville, maybe there's a team that decides they want to take on Nick Foles in that way. That doesn't seem like the Giants to me. You, you're, like you said, they, they seem committed to Eli Manning. So bringing Nick Foles aboard doesn't make any sense if Eli, if Eli Manning is there. But as as we look at Foles' market, it is it is shrinking because just nobody really has a lot of confidence that 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 he is the guy uh, in, to take a team to to a championship. And you know, there's a lot of talk BLG that he's a system quarterback. That it's just he and Doug Peterson have this connection that has enabled Foles to to play well. Do you buy into that at all? Like, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but how much do you buy into the Foles is a Peterson-specific system quarterback here? Well, I mean, I think it certainly helped just, you know, given the success he's had. Now he's had success outside of Doug Peterson's system, as you saw in 2013 when he went 27-2. and But I think, you know, Nick Foles is just kind of a – I think it's what we've said about him all along. He's just kind of a hot and cold player. He's a streaky player. He gets really hot sometimes and he gets really cold sometimes. And you just have to kind of weather weather the bad times. And I think the fact that he's played in such small sample sizes in the past two seasons has kind of just like lined up with the fact that he's been hot for a good portion of those. As you said, there have been some cold portions of those, including in the playoffs for the most part this year. So, I mean, that's just kind of the player he is, I think, honestly. He's hot and cold. I think Doug Peter's system probably helps him. But I also just think, you know, it's, he's just kind of that kind of high-variance player, like we've been saying for a while now. You know, I think he'll go somewhere, and I think he's going to be the starter over a long period of time. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see him have some pretty good games. Uh, he even had some when he was with the Rams in St. Louis. But there's also going to be some really bad games, too, as well. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's that's the kind of deal with him. He's not the kind of quarterback, I think, who really 
elevates the entire team around him over a long period of time. And, you know, is just I just don't think he's quite as good as, you know, his biggest fans think he is. That's my that's been my thing all along. It's not that I hate Nick Foles. I don't hate Nick Foles. I feel like I always have to yeah. say this. It's just that. Yeah, I know. I, I hate, know me too. <laughs> I hate the the this how far away, like from reality. I, I, I feel like I'm just I'm the crazy one sometimes. It's like for doubting Nick Foles or for think he's thinking he's just like not quite as good as some people think he is. And I, and again, I just think the fact that you look at how the NFL has valued him or really hasn't valued him, I should say, is significant. And I just don't think he's going to have this crazy market this offseason. You look at the Jaguars, I think it's them. And, you know, we saw that Giants rumor. I just don't think it makes sense. I think they're going to stick with Eli. I think they're going to draft Dwayne Haskins, number six overall. He's probably going to be the top quarterback off the board at that point. Um, I Who else is going after him? Like, I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to. You know, they have the number one overall pick. They could draft Kyler Murray, Murray if they wanted to, or they could just keep Josh Rosen. Um, the Bengals, I guess, could move on from Andy Dalton because his contract isn't guaranteed at all. But, like, they seem committed to him. I don't know. I don't get the sense, like, they're going to be in the market for Foles. Maybe that changes. The Dolphins, multiple NFL insiders have said the Dolphins are, like, really not in on Nick Foles. And Miami Dolphins beat reporters, too, have kind of downplayed that idea. So I'm almost rolling them out. I really don't see it. I don't see where the market is for him. So I guess the Eagles, you know, will be very happy to see him leave the division uh, or not stay in the division. I don't think Washington is in on him either. It sounds like um, they're not really, they don't want to spend big money on a free agent quarterback. seems like they still believe in Colt McCoy, which is very funny and good for the Eagles. That that's the case. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think it's just kind of Jaguars are bust for Nick Foles and he'll be going to the AFC South and we'll see how he does there. Now that he's leaving Philadelphia, I have heard many football writers, uh, Eagles fans, talk about Nick Foles' place in franchise history. Where does he rank for you among Eagles quarterbacks? Because for me, at this point, I still have Donovan McNabb at number one, but I I know there are a lot of people who think Foles is the best quarterback in franchise history, given what he accomplished, given the numbers that he had early in his career and the numbers that he put together at the at the end of his time in Philadelphia. It was obviously a very uneven uh, Eagles career. There were two stints to it. But you look at the history of Eagles quarterbacks uh, outside of Donovan McNabb and Ron Chworsky. It's not a it's it's not a, a robust history. And, you know, obviously Carson Wentz is here and we we all you and I both think Carson Wentz is a is a better player and a franchise quarterback. But he's only, you know, had two seasons himself. So I'm just curious, where where does Nick Foles fit in to Eagles history for you as in in, in terms of ranking their quarterbacks? I think it's going to surprise you, John, but I think he has to be number one. I do. Really? Um, it's just wow, so, it it's so tough me. to say. I know McNabb has the longevity, and the, the problem here is Foles' career is so weird. Like, again, I, I legitimately yeah. think we'll, we'll, like, virtually never see this kind of career again. It's just so bizarre. Like, it's just not something that happens. It takes, like, a special uh, set of circumstances and just a bunch of different things for what Nick Foles went through like for that to happen it's just it's so rare it's it's really not common at all and I I think so it's a tough evaluation when you look at it like that it's not like a an easy thing to kind of parse through there but I just feel like how can you pick Donovan you know what I mean just when you think of Donovan you think of the disappointment like that's what you think of and I mean there was good years too uh, for sure no doubt and Donovan was the first quarterback I ever really knew and I always appreciate that in some ways I'm not going to say that all of the Donovan memories are bad but 
there are a lot of bad memories that come up. You know, you think of all the disappointment. You think of how just like the awkwardness of his era and mm-hmm. the moments mm-hmm. that happened there. And you're not going to think of that when you're not going to think of Nick Foles bad games. You know, when you think yeah, of Nick Foles. that's true. I mean, clearly, people don't think that at all. People think he doesn't even have bad games. Sometimes the way um, people act. So I just think that's kind of, you know, when you're looking at a legacy standpoint, I just think, you know, Nick Foles is obviously going to be thought of more fondly and he should be. Uh, you know, he was the quarterback who was their Super Bowl winning quarterback in that game. And I just think that's how it's going to be. I mean, there's literally a statue of him outside the stadium. Yeah. So it's just it's hard not to say um, it's him in terms of legacy. It, you know, if you want to talk about longevity and everything and factor that in, I mean, Donovan's up there. I don't think the the gap is as huge as, you know, we might or some as, as some Donovan detractors might think it would be. But I, I think it's Foles, number one. I wonder if we overvalue championships sometimes, though. You know, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, and I, maybe just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Because I agree with you when we think we about do. Foles. Yeah, and and we, you know, we 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 think about what Foles did and and bringing that long-awaited Super Bowl to Philadelphia. Obviously, you're right. We're not going to remember any bad games that he had. We'll remember the good stuff from Nick Foles and. Donovan McNabb was in a lot of NFC Championship games, five NFC Championship games and won only one of them. And in the Super Bowl that he played, made critical mistakes that cost the Eagles the Super Bowl as well. So you're right. Most of Donovan... And then there was a lot of stuff, you know, some of the awkward stuff McNabb said. And Nick Foles never once said a single thing that was awkward or misconstrued yep. or anything. You know, I mean, he was just... You talk about the the perfect teammate and, and a guy everybody rallied behind... I mean, that's all part of being a quarterback as well. So I do get that. I mean, maybe maybe it's if I think more about it, maybe it'll be one A or one B. I still have McNabb number one just because I do look at the totality of his career and all of the games that he won doing it year in, year out consistently over and over again. But there there would come a point at every season where McNabb would run up against a brick wall and not be able to get the job done. And for that one season, Nick Foles in again that short spurt was it was able to do it. I think it's a fascinating debate, um, and I don't know that you're necessarily wrong. Whatever you choose, whether it's McNabb or Foles. Uh, real quick, looking now ahead at what the Eagles are going to do at quarterback without Nick Foles, do you think they go into 2019 with Nate Sudfeld as the backup, or do you think there's a possibility they could pursue someone like Terod Taylor or some other veteran quarterback uh, to be a backup to Carson Wentz, who again. I don't know that I would give him the injury-prone label, but he has had injuries in his brief NFL career. Yeah, it's interesting. The answers from both Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson on Nate Sudfeld weren't like super committed to him in the sense of that like he's definitely the number two. Doug Peterson really even said that you know, they're not in the business of just handing out those kind of jobs. So I think part of that is you know, they want Nate Sudfeld to come in with this mindset that he needs to earn this job. And I like that. I don't want to just, I'm never a huge fan of just being like, okay, you automatically have this job, especially for a young guy. Like, that's why I don't love the idea of always just like drafting a rookie and putting him into the starting lineup right away just because he's young and you want to see him. Like, that's not how I think about it. I think about it like you have to earn your spot. And Nate Sudfeld coming into this season, you want him to earn his spot. You don't want him just thinking like, okay, Nick Foles is gone. I don't have to do anything. I can kind of coast into this number two job. Like you don't want him mm-hmm. to be your 2009 Cole Hamels, you know, where like he's he's coming in. He's like, all right, I already won the World Series. You know, I don't need to uh, prove myself again. Like you don't want that mentality. You want him to be hungry. You want him to have to earn that. And so I think that's the right message kind of to send there. They did express some level of confidence in him. You know, they talked him up a little bit. They talked about what they like about him. And I think 
their actions are going to show that they value him in the sense of he's going to be a restricted free agent here. And if they really wanted to, to save money, they could put the original round tender on him. And that would mean that another team could sign Nate Sudfeld to an offer sheet. And if they did so, and if the Eagles didn't match that, and that's possible, by the way, if that happened, mm-hmm. I think some teams would have some interest, some mild interest in Nate Sudfeld. The Eagles would only get a six round pick in return. And I don't think they're going to want that. I don't think that's enough. Like if, if you're losing Nate Sudfeld for a six round pick, like the Eagles aren't going to want to do that. That's not really enough for them, especially having put the effort into developing this guy. So they're going to tender him at the second round level, most likely. And that's a little bit more expensive than it would be to do it at the original round level. But it means that it's a higher chance that Nate Sudfeld is going to stay on the roster because no one's going to sign him to an offer sheet and then have to give up a second round pick for him. And if they did, the Eagles would sure love to have that. But, you know, that's not going to happen. So um, so their actions are going to show us that they like him a little bit. But I mean, just going through the comments by Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, I don't think it's impossible they bring in another veteran quarterback in here. I would think they wouldn't spend huge at that position. Like you can't be spending on a, you know, Nick Foles kind of backup where you're paying him that money, first of all, because you would just keep Nick Foles. And second of all, uh, because I just think, you know, they're tight on cap space. I know quarterback is a super important position, but, you know, how much money do you really want to spend there? Uh, for a guy who might not even play at all. You know, you have to balance that to some extent. And I just think that, you know, if you go with Nate Sudfeld, ideally, you know, that would be the, the option because he isn't costing a ton. I think it's only like two or three million. You know, it's pretty, pretty reasonable, especially for a quarterback. So that would be the ideal option. But, you know, if it happens that there's a really quality veteran backup quarterback out there, like a Tyrod Taylor, who obviously has connections to the Eagles front office, thanks to him being drafted, uh, in Baltimore and playing under Joe Douglas for several years. And maybe you look at a Case Keenum, you know, if he becomes available on the market, maybe you're looking at a Ryan Tannehill, you know, if he gets cut. So there's there's going to be some options out there. And depending on the price, those interest me to some level. But really, you know, I'd almost like to see them just add, you know, maybe there's a lower level veteran quarterback like, and I don't really know that I want Tom Savage on this team, but I'm just saying, you right. know, someone of that ilk, someone who is like cheap and a veteran kind of guy who you can throw in there to compete with Sudfeld. And he's not even guaranteed to make the roster. And, you know, I'd, I'd just really like to see in that situation where Sudfeld beats that guy out and has a really good summer. Uh, I also don't think it's impossible the Eagles could draft a quarterback, especially more so on day three, some kind of developmental guy. You know, the Eagles have talked about kind of wanting to get back to the Andy Reid era where they would take a quarterback. Right. Not necessarily every year, but every other year, maybe, and kind of just have that guy and groom him because you never know. You know, that guy could develop into a backup or maybe you could, you know, maybe he could be a Nick Mullins for you, like, you know, for the 49ers. AJ Feely. Yeah. yeah, You you know, get yourself some draft picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's on the table, too. Uh, So we'll see. They have some options here, but it is a big summer for Nate Sudfeld. You know, he really needs to, regardless of who they bring in or what, like he needs to step up. He looks pretty good, I think, for the most part last offseason, especially in the preseason. But there are some things I think he needs to clean up still. I think he could have been better. But um, overall, you know, I, I have some level of confidence in him as Carson Wentz's backup. But, you know, he just he needs to really step it up this offseason and make sure he earns that number two job. Well, up next, we're going to talk about the combine and some other things that Doug Peterson touched on during his news conference down there. We'll get to that next right here on BGN Radio. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And we're back with BGN Radio. So the NFL Scouting Combine is being held down in Indianapolis. And while this is a time when executives get a good look at these college players and have them run through their drills, do their do run the do the cones drill, and have them run their their forty times and all of that, the bench press, the the, the jumping and the running and the skipping and the hopping and everything else that NFL <laughs> college play that college players have to do to you know to just give uh, NFL executives a little bit more information as they put their boards together. Uh, this is also a time where executives gather and talk about potential trades and and you know really start to uh, formulate relationships that could result in draft day deals getting done and conversations about free agents uh, get done here as well with agents and all that so um, it's also where we heard from Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson this week BLG and Peterson had some things to, to say that we should touch on, and uh, we got a little bit more insight. You mentioned just a second ago um, his comments about Nate Sudfeld and that, you know, they don't want to just hand things to him, that there are some things he needs to work on, which I think was uh, illuminative. He also had some things to say about the wide receiver position, Nelson Aguilar, and we'll get to that here in a few minutes as well. But he did touch on the Carson Wentz story in the Philly voice, and it didn't seem as though he was putting a whole lot of stock in that story, BLG. I mean, he didn't totally downplay it in the sense of like he wasn't like this is all false, you know, and that's true. He kind of took that's it important. as more, yeah. And I, I think that's probably the way to do it. I mean, again, we know <laughs> that wasn't that stuff wasn't just made up. I think you know there were real concerns raised by some players or some sentiments in that locker room, and I think you know there's some kind of legitimacy to them. And, and Doug Peterson kind of just said, you know, for from Carson's perspective, that he just needs to. I think he really said honestly what. I'm glad I'm glad what Doug Peterson hit on because John, I feel like it's what I've been saying all along with this. Like it doesn't necessarily it doesn't matter a lot to to me at least, and or yeah. at least I don't think it should matter a ton about the off the field stuff. Like the bottom line is the most important thing is how he plays on the field, and Doug Peterson stressed that in this press conference. It's like, look, it's going to matter how Carson plays on the field. People aren't going to you know just love him unconditionally if you know he sucks on the field and he's like yeah. this great locker room teammate like that does what does that do for the eagles that doesn't really do a lot so I, I just think that you know he really needs to focus on improving the on the field aspect and and doug peterson said it like look you know as a quarterback and from him having seen it being around dan marino and brett Favre, who certainly i'm sure have some big personalities and i'm sure everyone in those locker rooms wasn't always the biggest fan of those guys i'm sure they've rubbed some people the wrong way at times you know, he said, Doug said, you don't have to be buddy-buddy with everyone. But I just, you know, it's about earning your teammates' respect. And I think by going out onto the field, Carson Wentz will do that. And Doug Peterson also talked about how the, the Carson Wentz being involved in the offense aspect. And he said, 
that's a good thing. Like, uh, that's been a, mm-hmm. a big message that the coaching staff has said. They like that because they feel like Doug Peterson, he said specifically him as a play caller, he feels like his job to some extent is to get into the mind of the quarterback. Like he has to think what the quarterback is thinking and like get into his mind. And with Carson Wentz having that dialogue with him, you know, he feels like that helps him. Now, I'm sure there's there might be times as the story kind of brought up where, you know, Carson might maybe he's a little too pushy or whatever. And, you know, that's up really on on Doug Peterson to kind of push back on that and be like, no, Carson, you know, we're doing this. And that's why he's the head coach ultimately and should have the final say on those things. But uh, overall, I, you know, I thought that was, you know, they were very supportive. Howie Roseman, too, being very supportive of Carson Wentz. And, you know, no surprise. What are they going to say here? They're not going right. <laughs> to play <Right>. up <laughs> uh, anything like that. But still, you know, good to see. Um, some other things I want to touch on that Doug said, the, the Jason Peters thing, obviously, and both him and Howie, uh, really not as committed to him as they were last year. I mean, last year at this time, Harry Roseman had this answer about Jason Peters that like was pretty, pretty much confirmed. He was coming back and starting, uh, as the Eagles left tackle in 2018. And this year they left the door open a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not saying mm. that it's a, a lock that Jason Peters is gone, but you know, they left the door open for that. And really, you know, Jason Peters has this option that the team has to decide on here before the new league year starts on March 13th. Um, and it's not cheap. You know, it's like a 13.2 million cap hit this season. So they're, they're going to have to figure that out. There's a lot of decisions they have to figure out. And that was kind of another theme in the press conferences where, you know, they're not going to give away the answers and, you know, we shouldn't expect them to at this point. But I just think it kind of reflects the theme that they just have so many decisions to make this offseason. No, for sure. And yeah, I would be I would be surprised if Peters doesn't come back because I don't know that they have a great option at left tackle at the moment. You know, I think it's it's a matter of, you know, if they even if they draft somebody in a very good offensive tackle draft class, you know, you're not going to you're not going to start him this year and you don't mm-hmm. want Halapulavati Vitae sitting, you know, starting for your left tackle in a season when you're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Peterson also talked about the running back rotation, and you and I have talked about the fact that we would really love to see the Eagles go out and get somebody that you can feel good about, somebody that you know uh, will be a productive guy toting the rock, like we had with LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi in 2017. And, and you hope that Corey Clement can come back and have a better season than he had last year. And the Phillies, the, the, Phillies, the Eagles might bring back Darren Sproles, but we, you know, there are free agents. We've talked about them on the podcast. There's Tevin Coleman, there's Mark Ingram, there is, of course, the, the White Whale and Le'Veon Bell sitting out there as well. But um, it seemed like Peterson was, was focusing again, talking more about as much as he could anyway. Uh, the running back rotation and how important that is to this team. Yeah, that's always just going to be how it is, right? They're like, they're never going to have, or at least it feels like they're never going to have a true lead back. It's just, you know, we've seen it year after year now where they don't put the resources into that. And it just doesn't seem like even when they've had those kind of guys, like even when they had Jay Ajayi, they weren't like giving him really 20 carries per game. I think the the most touches he ever had in a single game, the Eagles was like 18. The only time we saw 20 carry plus workload was when Josh Adams had like back-to-back 20-plus carries late in the season. And then he didn't even – I think he had one carry in the in the postseason. So, like, you know, it's just – it's really been a hodgepodge of running backs here. Hopefully, you know, they can find the guy that helps them this offseason. You know, the Le'Veon Bell thing, don't think it's realistic, as we've said. Just think it's going to be too cost prohibitive. But, you know, you're seeing Eagles players certainly recruit him or trying to recruit him at least to Philly. So that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. And then he had that tweet, obviously, over the weekend that was like, you know, someone had tweeted like, oh, man, you know, if, if Le'Veon Bell goes to the Eagles, 
you know, I would lose it. And then he like quote tweeted it and he was like, hmm. Yeah. So, you know, he seems he seems to be playing into it. Yeah, he really does. He wants fun. to come to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. He's having some fun on social media. Um, He's also, you know, tweeted about like the Raiders and stuff, too. So it just hasn't been the Eagles. I think he's just, you know, having fun trying to mm-hmm. think about all the places he could go. Uh, trying to tease some fan bases with that. But, uh, yeah, it's fun to think about. But, yeah, so they're, they're going to have some options in free agency. Uh, the big quote, I think, coming out from Howie Roseman, and, or one of them from his press conference, was the, you know, there's many ways to skin a cat kind of thing in terms of mm-hmm. who they could add at running back. Like, And Doug Peterson even said that like they don't necessarily feel like they need to add a veteran or a, a draft, you know, prospect. It doesn't, you know, they don't feel like either way. Like, I think they kind of just, they're open to, Everything and they should be, you know. There's there's many opportunities to, to hopefully upgrade this backfield. I mean, they should be open to bring Jai back if you know his cost is really reasonable. You know, there's a lot of different options for them, so that's the good news. And that's the thing with running backs, like when you know people talk about how you shouldn't invest big resources into them. You know, there's some truth in that in the sense of you you should be able to find them elsewhere and easily. Now, with that said. We say that, but the Eagles haven't been able to do that for a bit now. So that's kind of the frustrating yeah. part that I don't like when people say about that. Um, hopefully they can get it right. You know, there's there's some really good options in the draft. Daniel Jeremiah, you know, former Eagle scout, obviously, and someone who the Eagles are actually considering for Joe Douglas's current job before Joe Douglas got hired. Um, you know, he's kind of like the new Mike Mayock, and he was speaking earlier this week before the combine started saying that, you know, Daryl Henderson – and Devin Singletary are two really good running back fits for the Eagles. And you look at those guys and how they profile in terms of guys who they have some playmaking ability. Henderson specifically had some kind of like crazy stat of like yards after contact. He was wow. averaging like over six yards after uh, like it was crazy. I was like, what? Um, so you have him, you have Singletary, who's capable of making people miss. And, you know, DJ knows how the Eagles think. So I'm sure, you know, he might know that they're the, the Eagles like those guys specifically. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, again, the free agent options are out there, whether it's the pipe dream or the long shot mm-hmm. and bell, or you get a Tevin Coleman or, you know, you've thrown around Mark Ingram before, even on a lower end, maybe you bring in Latavius Murray, which isn't really something to be super excited about. But I mean, it's a solid addition, probably at least. So they're going to have options. They just have to get it right. I mean, it's not it's not like a make or break thing um, in the sense that, you know, what right. did the Eagles really win when they had LeSean McCoy? You know, they weren't like winning titles. I don't even think they won a playoff game when they had Shady. So uh, it's it's not like you get the running back and everything's fixed. It's just that it certainly could help the offense. It could certainly help the fact that Carson Wentz, you know, it would just take some pressure off of him sometimes. And it would be, just be another nice weapon to have in the offense. And you know, hopefully, you know, we're not going through another 2018 season where the offense is starting slow every game and it would just be nice to have more weapons on the team. So we'll see how it goes there. But uh, it sounds like they're kind of open to whatever options present themselves at running back and they'll have some. Yeah. And I just hope a guy like Tevin Coleman, who has shared duties with Devontae Freeman in Atlanta, would kind of fit into a running back rotation. I, I think he wants to go someplace where he's going to get a little bit more run than he got in Atlanta. And I think that would be the case in Philadelphia. He, he to me, is the perfect fit for what the Eagles need at, at running back here. A couple other things. Uh, they did also talk about Dallas Goddard and the fact that they want to get him more involved. And I heard something, oh, I think it was, was it on, I, I, you know, I think it was on the Art of the Take podcast on WIP. One of the guys, I think, I think it was our buddy Jack Fritz mentioned <laughs> something about trading Zach Ertz right now. He's at the height of his powers. He's 29 years old. You've got this young guy in Dallas Goddard who it seems Peterson feels like they want to get 
Goddard more involved in the offense next year. You wonder if if you wonder if that might be something that they would consider. I don't think so because he is so damn good. I mean, he just he had all those, you know, set the record for receptions by a tight end in a season this year, and he obviously has a very, very good working relationship with Carson Wentz. Some would argue too good, of course, you know, <laughs> the people who don't actually look at the stats. But um, one thing is clear. Peterson really loves Dallas Goddard, and, you know, we see it from the fact that Goddard can block really well in the run game, and he's an incredible athlete. He's got great hands. You know, it makes me wonder whether or not something something along the lines of an Ertz trade could happen. But what, what was your takeaway from uh, from Peterson's comments about Goddard? I hope he's being honest. You know, he's saying that the coaches, uh, it's been a, I think the quote was like a source of topic for them, talking about like how can we get Dallas Goddard more involved next year. I mean, I, I hope that's, you know, not just lip service. And I hope it's true because we we need to see him get involved more. I just posted an article uh, in the link today on bleedinggreennation.com about how Dallas Goddard had the highest grade of any tight end, single, green, single game grade, I should say, of any tight end in 2018. His performance against the Cowboys wow. in week 14 by PFF, it graded out higher than every other single tight end in any other game in the 2018 season. The guy is really good. That's crazy. And by the way, yeah. like his grade probably would have been even higher if that one touchdown he had didn't get canceled out, remember, because of that, that bogus offensive pass interference penalty. Oh, that's right. So think about that. Yeah. Like Even taking that away, he still had an amazing game. So that's crazy. Um, he's definitely a stud. I don't think you trade Zach Ertz at this point. I think it's bad, first of all, for – um, it's just, it's not a good locker room move. Like, you know, this guy has done all the right True. things. He caught the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. You don't just like ship a guy out like that. And like in Madden, yes, you can, but there's like an emotional <laughs> intelligence aspect yeah. here where you can't well, Plus they were so good in 12 personnel this year too. That's BLG. the other thing. That, you, and you lose that ability. Yeah, yeah. Like who's your second tight end at that point? It's Richard Rodgers. Like, okay. I mean, you, you could draft someone this year. It's a really good tight end class, but you know, that guy's a rookie and you don't really know how much he's going to contribute. You saw Dallas Goddard being limited as a contributor, as a rookie. And the other thing is financially, it just doesn't work out. If you trade Zach Ertz this year, you only save $1.5 million in cap space compared to $10.5 million in dead money. And you're just not – you're not creating $10.5 million in cap money unless you're getting like some really good assets. And I just – I don't see that being the case. Now, maybe next year we can start having that conversation because you could trade Zach Ertz and you would save $5 million and he's going to be 30 years old. And maybe Goddard at this point is kind of just clearly overtaken him and maybe – I don't know. You somehow you you're feeling better about whatever would be behind Goddard if Ertz wasn't around. So we can have this conversation. I think down the road for sure. I think it's coming up in the future. But right now it's not. I think the player right now, John. If we're talking about trade, it came up this week. Nelson Aguilar apparently uh, the Eagles are open mm. to moving him. That's the report from Jason Lockenfora. And I know people have doubts about what Jason Locke and Forrest says. But really, John, I think it passes the sniff test. This isn't like something that's just thrown out there at a left field and it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's some sense to it. How do you feel about yeah. it? I mean, I, I, Aguilar struggled this year, I think, and he had a great 2017. But in 2000, I mean, 2000, yeah, 2017, mm -hmm. 2016, he struggled massively. So, I, don't, I mean, what do you have in, in Aguilar here? And, and I don't question. know how the Eagles... Yeah, he's a big question mark. He's obviously on, you know, in the in this fifth year of his rookie contract deal, you know, and it's it's you got a situation here where I still don't know how I how this Eagles wide receiver group is going to shake out. You know, you could if you if you trade Nelson Aguilar, that does open the door for you to re-sign Golden Tate. But Tate's as the top wide receiver in free agency, he's probably going to get more than the Eagles would want to pay him. 
So in that case, what are your options at wide receiver here? I mean, you're, you're looking at Mike Wallace, who I don't have any confidence in. He didn't give me any reason to feel good about him after not having a single catch last year and missing virtually the whole season. Matt Collins, who also missed all of last year, and he was a fourth-round pick, and that's not a guy you build around. Shelton Gibson is Shelton Gibson. You know, you have, you have, you have Alshon Jeffrey. You know, that's that's the guy you feel good about. You, other than that, I mean, I would certainly be open to trading Nelson Aguilar, but then you you got to be looking around for trades. you got to be looking to bring somebody else in. you got to be looking at maybe talking to the Buccaneers about Deshaun Jackson. Uh, there were reports that the, the Bengals are looking to trade wide receiver John Ross. I don't know that Ross is necessarily an option. I like the idea of signing John Brown as a free agent. I think that could be a guy that helps you stretch the field and probably wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg, but... I think they're uh, trading Nelson, Nelson Aguilar it depends what the return would be. I think Aguilar was misused last year, BLG. I, I just, all the jet sweeps that he was running last year. I mean, it seemed like every other play they had Nelson on a jet sweep. And I just, that's not how he was productive in 2017. He was productive out of the slot, running routes, you know, get, get it, making plays over the middle, breaking tackles, being a deep threat from the slot. So I think. If the Eagles got a real good offer for Nelson Aguilar, I would move him. But I would rather keep him and just use him better in 2019. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, too, that the wording here specifically says they're open to trading him as much as it's not like they're, they want to trade him necessarily. That's not what yeah. we're hearing. It's not they're, they're shopping him. And there's a difference in that. You know, open just being means like, hey, if you're making us an offer, we'll listen to it, but we're not going to you know, go out there and like try to get rid of him. I don't think they're trying to get rid of him, but I do think they're trying to get rid of that 9.4 cap number for him in 2019. I just don't think that's like you can't have him on the roster at that number. You just can't. Like that's that's too much money. It just does not make sense. When you look at other wide receiver contracts, and we we're kind of doing this with Ben and Mike this week, where you fit Nelson Aguilar in, he's kind of in that like Danny Amendola range of about like six million per year, at least somewhere in there. Mm. And right now, you know, he's at nine point four. So I think he's like overpaid by at least three million dollars, kind of here, and that's that's significant. That's not nothing. You kind of said it. You know, like, what do you actually have in Nelson Aguilar? It's tough. Like, I don't know what to think. He was so good. I felt like in 2017, he was such a useful player. And there were some flashes of that last year. But, you know, when you're looking at the metrics, and I'm not saying DR, which is, or DYAR, I should say, is a perfect metric or perfect stats from football outsiders. But, I mean, you look at it, and he's he's finishing, like, almost bottom of the category out of wide receivers in every year except 2017 when he was 32nd out of 86. You know, the other years are, like, 83rd out of 88 and then 88 at a 94th, and then 78 at a 84. So it's just, you know, it's not great. Yeah. And I, when I, even like prior to looking at those numbers, I've kind of been thinking in my head, okay, so with Nelson Aguilar, we kind of have like one good year and three not so great years. Like, so what are you paying a guy like that? You know what I mean? Are you paying him yeah. just for that one year? Like, that's my concern too. And I think that's that's probably theirs. Like, you can't, like, if I'm signing Nelson Aguilar, I hope I'm not just paying for the 2017 guy because that's not what, you know, I've gotten for him so far. You know, I don't want to be paying just for that. I want to be paying for the whole, you know, everything. I want to be paying for the struggles, too. So that needs to right. be counted into the equation. You can't just be like, well, he had this really good year in 2017, so you better pay for that. Like, no, it doesn't work. Uh, to me, it shouldn't work like that. I'm not paying for that. Like, I need to be paying for a guy who has struggled as well, and the price should reflect that. He should be reasonable. It should be – she should not be making some, like, huge – uh, surprisingly big deal. He should be making, I think he should be getting a contract that we all say, oh, that's pretty fair, or oh, that's actually a bargain. Like, I think that's really 
what it should be given the way he's been inconsistent and he struggled at times. So, yeah, I mean, just the problem is, like you kind of highlighted it, if you move on from Nelson Aguilar, the only wide receivers you have under contract are Alshon Jeffrey, Matt Collins, Shelton Gibson, and then if you want to count, you know, all those guys on future contracts like Braxton Miller and whatever who, you know, certainly aren't even guaranteed to make the roster, like that's all you have. So it's not great. <laughs> you don't – who's even your yeah. slot receiver there? Like, I don't know. I mean, you could re-sign Jordan Matthews potentially, I guess. But, like, I don't really see that happening, I guess. And you brought up Tate. And, again, he's going to be 30 years old. Apparently, he wants to go play with Tom Brady. He said in an interview this week. Yeah, um, right. I saw so that. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't really think that's happening. And we know that the Eagles haven't – or at least we have an indication that the Eagles haven't even been talking to him. We, You know, he had that tweet or last month right. about like how he hadn't even heard from the Eagles, or at least that's what it made it sound like. So I just, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. So it's a tough, it's a tough one to figure out with Nelson. I, I think kind of what it comes down to is what I've been saying all along. I believe the most likely option is they're going to find a way to work out an extension with him. They'll lower that cap number for 2019. They'll bring it down from 9.4 million to like, I don't know, six or five or whatever. And they'll find a way to, to keep him around. And I think that's probably the right move. But like if Nelson isn't going to agree to a contract that, you know, makes sense for the Eagles, I think that's at the point where they're starting to listen to those offers more seriously because they can't cut him. They really can't, like it doesn't make sense to cut Nelson Aguilar because first of all, I just think he's too good for that. And second of all, if you cut him, you don't get a compensatory pick for him. So now you kind of just lost him and like you don't have anything to show for it. So I think that's kind of where yeah. the trade aspect comes in. I think it's like, okay, if we can't work out an extension with this guy, we're going to at least try to listen to this offer because, and I think that's where they would trade him. I think that's the, I think if they trade him, it means they couldn't work out an extension. Like like we had to trade him because yeah. he wasn't going to agree to a deal with us. So we had to get something for him as opposed to just cut him. So I don't think it's a likely option, but I think it's one that has to kind of be on the table for them. And I just wanted to touch on the John Ross thing real quick. I mean, I think that actually makes a lot of sense for them, especially okay. compared to or factoring in. Yeah, I mean, they showed a lot of interest in him back in 2017 leading up to that draft. Like they they were as they specifically interviewed him at the combine at one of the 60 official combine interviews. They worked him out privately. They attended his pro day. They um, they brought him to Philly for one of their top 30 visits that year. And now some of these things I'm sure they did because he had a lot of injury issues and he's had a lot of injury issues. So they're, I'm sure they were gathering, you know, as much information as they could on those medical, the medical, his medical information. So that's part of it. But part of it, I think, is they really liked him and they probably, I mean, what's, what's not to be intrigued about, about a guy who, you know, ran the fastest 40 at the combine. And I remember one scout that year clocked him in at a 4.19 speed, which is just like, that's not, it shouldn't even be possible. So, uh, he's obviously been a huge disappointment with the Bengals, and you know if you're trading for any anything for him, it can't be much. He's just he's been so bad. But you look at the kind of players Howie Roseman has tried to get in the past in the terms of like the Ronald Darby or the the Jay Ajayis of of the world, where they're these the players who are on their rookie deals, and John Ross is still in his rookie deal, so you know he has value in that sense. He's not going to be expensive on your cap. Um, and I just think the fact that the Eagles have showed so much interest in him. And one thing I didn't mention is that he was apparently one of the top five players they were considering at pick number 14 that year. It was like him, Barnett, uh, Charles Harris, and a couple other guys. And in addition, he was one of the eight wide receivers that the Eagles specifically told Carson Wentz to go study and then give feedback on because they had 
they'd done oh, that wow. that off season. So I mean, he's he clearly was on their radar in the past. So I, I'm just I wouldn't be surprised if they took a risk on him. Fair enough. Up next, we're going to talk about an NFL broadcaster who is going to be returning to the field. Weird. That's up next on BGN Radio. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. Uh, to finish things up here on episode number 39, BLG, um, some news that kind of surprised us all as uh, we uh, sat on our tweet deck yesterday afternoon. And um, just when you think things with the Dallas Cowboys can't get any more bizarre, we find Jason Witten is leaving the Monday Night Football booth to return to the Cowboys. My man is 37 years old. It's a one-year deal. I've seen two different numbers, BLG, three and a half and five million dollars. Do we know how much, which one it is, whether it's three and a half or five million dollars that he signed for? I mean, I'm going to say five just because it's more funny to me. Um, but yeah, Schefter said 3.5, so it's probably <laughs> 3.5, but I'm not going to acknowledge that. Okay, fair enough. Five million it is. And um, Witten uh, released a statement saying, quote, the fire inside of me to compete and play this game is just burning too strong. This team is a great group of rising young stars, and I want to help them make a run at a championship. This was completely my decision, and I am very comfortable with it. And I, I think one of the things that probably got left off of the press release was, quote, I sucked in the announce booth. Please don't ever let me go back there again. <laughs> he was <laughs> So here you've got a guy who is leaving the Monday Night Football booth at 37 years old, going back to the count. What? What 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 is what are the Cowboys thinking? What is going on here, BLG? I mean, it does he doesn't have anything left, I wouldn't think at this point. This is just bizarre. Yeah, he was averaging 8.9 yards per reception, which is a career low in his final season in 2017. Um he, he's going to be 37 years old. I think he was averaging like 35 yards per game. Uh the Cowboys are paying him, I'm going to say again, 5 million. Um even if it's 3.5, who cares? They're paying him way more way more money than he should reasonably be making, which is probably $0 because he shouldn't be playing. Yeah. And he's not even going to play much. Apparently, uh, Clarence Hill had reported that like he's on board with 25 snaps a game. So like, he's, barely, he's you're paying him this money so he can come in and like barely play. And the other angle of this that I love is that Adam Schefter was saying that there are those in the Cowboys organization who have long considered Jason Witten an NFL head coaching candidate. Returning to football. Oh, no, watch out, Jason. Exactly. This is awesome. <laughs> this is your Jason Garrett replacement here. They're, they're not going to go out and actually try to hire a good coach. They're going to bring in the guy who, I mean, who knows? Maybe Witten could be a good coach. I don't know. You know, who thought Doug Peterson was going to be as good as he is? Almost no one. So yeah. I don't know. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, you, you, we saw that guy in the booth. Um, yeah, not the most inspiring option, I would say, for your head coach. No. Uh, and just the fact that even if that's the case down the road, I, I kind of just love, I guess, that they're – I guess that's where the money is going for this year. Like, they're almost, like, trying to buy a future head coach candidate. Like, that's part of what they're paying for. Like, I just love that. And it's crazy because they don't have unlimited cap space to work with, by the way. Oh, no team does. But I'm saying them especially because, you know, they have a lot of – guys to pay they have to pay Dak this offseason probably they have to pay 
Demarcus Lawrence, who, by the way, has a lot more leverage now because Randy Gregory is suspended indefinitely for like the fourth time, I think, right. in his career. So Demarcus Lawrence has like all the leverage over them now because what are they going to do if they don't meet his demands? Like, what are, they're just not going to have defensive ends that they can really rely on. So uh, they have to pay him. Or Earl Thomas, if they want to get him in free agency, you know, he's going to command top money. At the you know being one of the top players at his position, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of guys they have to pay. You know they're going to have to spend a lot of that money, and just for them to use some of it on Jason Witten, who's 37 years old, and in a year where tight end class is historically loaded, like it's really good this year once again. Well, yeah. Why? Like, what are you doing? And I so I just love it. <laughs> uh, I think it's clear that you know Jerry Jones. This is like just one of those sentimental moves over like a really a football move that makes a ton of sense. So uh, I think it's great news for the Cowboys. Jason Witten has six receptions for 50 yards in his last four games against the Eagles. So it's not like, you know, he's been doing anything against them. I think he kind of hampers that offense, honestly, like in, in obviously a good way for the Eagles, a uh, bad way for the yeah. Cowboys in that like, you know, Dak just loves to check down. So, you know, instead of, you know, being worried about a big play, you're just going to have him check down to Jason Witten for like, a six yard gain on, on third and, and 10 or whatever. So yeah. uh, just come on. Just what are the Cowboys doing? Yeah. He's just upset that Zach Ertz broke his record last year. Yes. He wants to try and get it back and he's going to do 25 snaps a game and think he's going to get 10 catches a game on those 25 snaps. <laughs> and you know what? With check down Dak, it might actually happen. BLG. <laughs> Who's to say? Oh my gosh. But you know, at least, for, at least we don't have to worry about listening to Jason Witten in the Monday night football booth anymore because he yes. really was terrible. I mean, just as it's hard to state it, you cannot overstate how lousy he was in the booth. You really have to. You really have to try hard to be as bad as Jason Witten was in the booth. And I'm sure this is uh, one way of, for, for him to get out of it. Uh, while saving some face, although it seems pretty obvious to me what exactly is going on here. As we wrap up episode 39 here, uh, BLG, any final thoughts for the good listeners? Well, John, Harper Lent is finally over because he, <laughs> Bryce Harper, is a member of the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's awesome, man. It's uh, obviously, you can speak to it much better than I can, but just from having followed this process, as most people have, I mean, it's just such a relief that it's finally over. Uh, we can look forward to it. If you're looking for the Eagles angle, you know, you can think about how in this fall, you know, at Lincoln Financial Field, you're going to have Bryce Harper sitting there next to Mike Trout after Carson Wentz is scoring touchdown after touchdown <laughs> after touchdown and just running over to those guys and giving them the ball. I mean, how awesome is that going to be? Those two guys, they're going to be there, right? Like, right? Like, we know that's yeah. going to happen. Like, Bryce Harper think. is going to be there next to. Uh, you know, Mike Trout. And I mean, maybe not, mm -hmm. maybe because, you know, he's too busy playing in playoff games and some, some postseason post -season baseball, but I, I'm sure he'll find the time, uh, you know, from when the Phillies are making their World Series run this year where he can get over to the link and sit next to Mike Trout. And that's going to be awesome. So uh, just, just so awesome. And I, I would love for Carson yeah. Wentz and Bryce to be best friends too. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. So that'd be pretty uh, sweet. It's awesome, man. 
Yeah, it's great news. And I know most of you guys listening are also Phillies fans, but there are some exclusively only Eagles fans that listen to this podcast. And if you're looking for a comparable, I mean, this is this is like when T.O. was awarded uh, the, the trade the Eagles made with uh, with the with the 49ers when T.O. was awarded to the Eagles and not the Ravens. I mean, this is this is that kind of franchise shaping move. It would be nicer. I'm sure Bryce Harper's uh, long term effect will be <laughs> a little bit better than T.O. because T.O. was one year of greatness and then after that it was of course a nightmare but um that's the kind of uh that's the kind of move that this was this offseason like when the the eagles got terrell owens ahead of the 2004 season he was the one piece that that andy reed team needed and they went on that blitzkrieg in 2004 all the way to the super bowl so um just uh yeah big day big day in philadelphia sports overall and um uh, happened at a happened at a pretty good time as uh, the the baseball season's ramping up and we are kind of in the dead season of football. But um, make sure to keep uh, listening here to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed because Kisten Solak will be giving you all the details uh, from everything going on down at the combines in Indianapolis. Uh, some of the uh, which players the Eagles are continuing to look at, and um, they'll be back with news and rumors. And BLG and I will be back next week to cut, talk about everything else that's happened in the last week in Eagles football. And we have a bunch of other shows too on the Bleeding Green uh, Podcast Network. So make sure that you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, rate, and review. Five star ratings for the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Okay, kids, that'll do it for episode 39 of BGN Radio. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to y'all next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hay. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and A's. I'm flipping the balls. I'm flipping the BGN. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 